Good morning. Well, glad you're here. I have some special guests. My mom and dad, Brian and Karen, and my little sister, she's actually two years younger than me, um, Kayla, she's here, and then my brother, Blake, he's 10 years younger than me. I want to welcome them here, and I'm not going to make them stand or anything, but um, they, yeah, they're here. So uh, we're, if it were not for them, I wouldn't be here. You guys know how that works. It's not for my mom and dad, so glad you guys hooked up. Glad that worked out. Um, so the rest, the rest of you, um, the rest of our guests, we have a lot of family in for Thanksgiving, and, and that's exciting. And so we just want to say a special welcome. Hope that you're comfortable. Uh, feel free to kick off your shoes, stay a while, and uh, we're going to get in the Word of God right now. So 2 Timothy, if you have a copy of the Bible. 2 Timothy is in the New Testament. I want to talk this morning about guarding the deposit. Guard the deposit. 2 Timothy chapter 1. As you turn there, I do want to invite you, if you do not have lunch plans, to come eat with us. A lot of turkeys today... Their life, their whole life comes down to this moment. So, um, we we'll, want we'll invite you to join us. If not, if you want to roll out and go somewhere else, that's okay. You do that and uh, enjoy your time this week with your family. Second Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. I want to ask us, ask us all if, you're, if you are able. If not, that's okay. But please stand at the reading of God's Word. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3-14, through 14, we will read the entire passage. I thank God, whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers, day, night, and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, the faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. And now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, His prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling. Not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace, which He gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am convinced that He is able to guard until that day which has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Let's pray. Father, we are your people and we believe this is your word. And so God, we need your help by your Spirit to... Open up the great mysteries of, of, of your word to our hearts this morning. 
Lord, we surrender this time to you. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. This is Paul's, many scholars believe, this was Paul's last letter. He's writing this from a prison in Rome. Any any of you have been to Rome before? No? Some of you may have. I have not. And so Paul was in prison, and he knew this possibly could be his last letter. Paul and Tim had been through a lot together. They had seen the Lord do a lot, and Paul had planted many churches and won many people to Christ. We know a few of the struggles that Paul had from 2 Corinthians. He faced severe persecution. He was robbed. He was uh, flooded out. He was, uh, one day he was shipwrecked, had to swim to shore. He was bitten by a snake, a poisonous snake. He was beaten up many times. He was betrayed by his closest friends, etc. So Paul had been through a lot. And in many of those journeys, Timothy, a young man named Timothy, was beside Paul. And God chose Paul to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And now we see Paul, in his last days, send a powerful message, a powerful charge to Timothy. We all need a Paul, a Timothy, and a Barnabas in our lives. Paul would be someone that we look up to. Someone that can speak truth. Someone that can be honest with us when we don't want to hear the truth. We need a Paul in our life. A lot of us, we need Timothys in our life. Someone that may be a little younger or maybe uh, needs some guidance. Maybe someone that you can love and encourage and someone that you can uh, help bring along spiritually. We all need a Barnabas in our life. So that friend that's encouraging. Uh, the friend that, um, you guys know the friends that every time you talk to them, uh, they just are negative and they talk about negative things and they just talk about all their problems and you can't even get a word in. You guys know those friends? Do you have a friend like that? If you don't have any friends like that, you may be that friend. <laughs> but we see uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3, let's, let's read the first verse. It says, As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia. My bad, I'm in the first Timothy. I should be in Second Timothy. But we'll start out with the gratitude of Paul. In verse 3, you see a, a friendship that Paul talks about. So, if you have a listening guide, uh, the little orange pamphlets, you may not. We have, I have some friends that may pass those around. If we have any, uh, please raise your hand. If you do not want one of those, uh, we can pass those around. I apologize. In the future, those will be on the back of the bulletin if we can make some space so as to save paper. Okay? I hug trees, but I'm not a tree hugger necessarily. Um, but we, we do have paper. So, all right. Now, 2 Timothy, chapter 1. Paul talks about their friendship. So we'll start off, the gratitude of Paul. True friends pray for one another. Look at the word. Verse 3. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Paul is saying, Timothy, I pray for you in my daytime prayers. I pray for you in my nighttime prayers. I pray for you. Now, a lot of people in the Christian South will tell you that they're going to pray for you, right? It's just a habit. I'm praying for you. Post all over social media. I'm praying for you. We tell everyone all the time. But then, do we pray for when we say we do? 
I have a habit of forgetting things. So if you ask me to pray for you, I'm probably right then and there, I'm going to put my hand on your shoulder. Let's pray right now. And if it's, if I, if I say I'm going to pray for you, I'm probably going to put that, make a note of it. You better do that. If you, if you tell someone you're going to pray, but a real friend, that's what they do, right? That's what a friend does. True friends pray for one another. Next we see, sincere faith produces a godly legacy. So verse 4 says, As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. Paul's talking about Timothy. The last time they departed, Timothy was broken. He was crying. Why? Because Paul brought the gospel to Timothy. Verse 5, Paul says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that first dwelt in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. And now I am sure dwells in you as well. A thousand years later, over a thousand years later, we're talking about Lois and Eunice. That's a legacy. That is a godly legacy. So sincere faith produces a godly legacy. A godly legacy does not just happen. It doesn't just happen because you go to church or because you have Scripture on your walls at your house or because you say the blessing when it's time to eat. A godly legacy happens when parents are intentional about walking with the Lord. So sincere faith produces a godly legacy. Next we see, verse 6, Paul says, Because of this faith, I want to remind you to fan into flame the gift that you have, a gift, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So next we see a gift of flame. Fanning the right flame takes humility and persistence. Fan the flame. Now we don't know what gift Paul's talking about. Timothy, if you look at the language here, it, uh, Paul is basically telling, telling Timothy, hey, do, do not be timid. Be bold. Be courageous. Don't be ashamed. So maybe it's the gift that Timothy had was teaching or preaching or maybe something like that where he um, could be encouraged by the encouragement. We don't know. But the lesson here for us today is that we need to fan the right flame. Fanning the flame takes humility and persistence. How many families have spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars for the children to do things that clearly God has not called them to do? You know what I'm talking about? There are natural gifts and there are supernatural gifts. Throwing a 103 miles per hour fastball, that is, you can work out all you want, you can eat all your vegetables, but for the most part, you have to be born with an arm like that, right? That's a gift. And then we have supernatural gifts. Gift, Paul's talking about a gift that God has given through the Holy Spirit. So those giftings don't necessarily come natural, there's a difference. So this morning, I want to encourage all of us. Are we fanning the right flame? We all have a gift, natural gifts and spiritual gifts. But fanning the right flame takes humility and persistence. Paul says in verse 6, fan the flame. He's saying, hey, Timothy, fan the flame. Put some gas on it. Cultivate it. Put some lighter fluid on it. Sometimes it takes years to discover the gifts that God has given us. 
Maybe God calls us to do something in the church for 20, 30, 40 years, and then all of a sudden the Lord, has He done this in your life before? He speaks to you, and He tells you, you're going to change directions. You're going to do something different. It's terrifying. The Lord does that. Maybe you've been teaching Sunday school for 20 years, and all of a sudden He wants you to do something different. Or maybe you have never taught Sunday school, and all of a sudden the Lord puts that on your heart. And so we all have a role to play in the local church. Next we see power, love, and self-control comes natural for the Spirit, not us. God gave us a Spirit, not a fear, but a power and love and self-control. We have all we need in Christ. We don't have to muster it up. We don't have to. Timothy, Paul's not saying, hey, Timothy, if you try harder, if you study hard, if you go to the right school, if you um, would be more responsible with this and this and this. No, the power that Paul is talking about and the power that he had experienced in his own life knew that it came through the Lord, came through the Spirit, not his own strength or his own ability. We have that as New Testament believers. In Christ, we have power, strength, love, discipline, boldness. Like I said last week, common sense, fruit of the Spirit. Fruits of the flesh, we know what those are. We all have to deal with that as well. That's why Paul said, I've been crucified. Paul said, put those, the flesh, you have to crucify those fleshly desires daily. Next we see in verse 8, there's a holy calling. Unashamed faith brings expected opposition. Unexpected, unashamed faith brings expected opposition. If everyone speaks well of you all of the time, then you're probably not following the Lord the right way. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 26, Woe to you when all people speak well of you. So unashamed faith brings expected opposition. Paul's charge to Timothy is, Hey man, be unashamed of the gospel. Remember what we're about. Remember the mission. Paul says, Do not be ashamed about the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. We will talk all day long about our church. But many times when the rubber meets the road and we're down the street and we're in a certain place, we'll talk about church, but we, we, became, we were tempted in those moments to be ashamed of the gospel. If the Lord has saved you, if He's changed your life, we should testify. We should be bold. We should be real. We should be very unashamed of our faith. Next, we see that the gospel brings life. Paul says, The power of God who saved us, verse 9, and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace, which He gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher. The gospel brings life. Do you know this life today? Jesus said, I came to give them life, give them abundant life, and life to the full. That's why Christ came. That's why we're here. That's why this church was built for the Lord. The purpose of life is to bring God glory. In everything we do, when we're eating turkey, when we are with family, when we are working the nine to five every day, in and out, we do it unto the Lord. We have purpose in the gospel. This morning, do you know the Lord? 
Do you know religion or do you know Christ? Better yet, does he know you? Does he know who you? He's God, so he does know who you are. But if you have never repented of your life and put your faith in Christ, then the Bible says you're an enemy of God. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You're an enemy of the Lord if you never repented and put your faith in Christ. And one day, the Word of God says you will be accountable for your sins. That's why Paul telling Timothy, remember the gospel. Because the gospel is when Christ came to be a substitute. Christ came to take the wrath of Almighty God on Himself to be the substitute for our sins. To be the scapegoat to take the sins of the world away. Do you know the Lord this morning? He tells Timothy, you're going to suffer. It's part of it. And when you do, depend on the Lord. Depend on His power. In the face of temptation, when it gets difficult, Paul's telling Timothy, stay true. Do not waver. Verse 10 says, In which now has been manifest the appearing of a Christ. Talking about the gospel. Verse 11. Paul said, I'm a preacher. Next we see, after the great calling, Guard he will. Guard he will. Paul's saying to Timothy, Brother, I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. So guard he will. Belief is rewarded by the Lord's outstretched arm. The King James says, By the Lord's stretched out arm. Same thing. The Lord's hand. Belief is rewarded by the Lord's outstretched arm. So Paul says, hey, I know where my faith is. I'm putting it in the Lord and the rest of everything else. I'm leaving that up to God. Paul does not say, I'm convinced that Gabriel is able to guard it until that day. Paul does not say Michael or Moses. Paul says that the Lord, he's the one that's able In the Old Testament, when the Lord delivered the Israelites out of the Red Sea, the Bible says that it is the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, not social media little G God, but big G, Yahweh, Adonai, Elohim, King of Kings God, big, the mighty God, the utmost high God. He, He hurled the Egyptians into the sea. God could have sent thousands of angels But the Scripture says that the Lord did it Himself. And that's how it is with our faith in our lives. We can put all of our trust in Christ because He Himself will guard it. He will take care of the rest. We have all we need in Christ. And lastly, follow the saints and guard the treasure. Who that? Follow the saints and guard the treasure. That's not... I'm not talking about the New Orleans saints. Follow the saints. Paul says, hey Timothy, verse 13, follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me. Paul said, hey Timothy, remember when we were traveling. Remember all the things that the Lord did and all the things that I tried to teach you. Do not forget. Paul wanted desperately to pass the baton of the faith to Timothy. And he wanted Timothy not just to take the baton, but he wanted Timothy to run with it. To run with it, to win people to the Lord, to plant churches. Follow the saints. Hebrews uh, says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. 
Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. This morning, we're thankful for a lot of things. And we should be thankful for all the people that invested into our life. Paul's telling Timothy, do not forget these things. Follow that pattern of the faith. And then lastly, guard the treasure. Guard the treasure. Paul says, verse 14, By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Well, how do we do that? Do we put it in a lockbox? I've got a lot of furniture I'm about to put in storage. Do we put it in a storage unit? No. Do we uh, take it to Washington? Certainly not. Do we hide it under our bed? No. Paul's talking about a symbolic deposit of Christ in believers, and that's just a deposit. When we get to heaven, oh, it's going to be good. We will be complete in Christ. But for now, Paul is saying, you guard the deposit. Timothy, you guard it because you're just a smart, just a great guy. No, because you um, have great theological training, although he did. No. Verse 14, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Paul's saying, man, if you depend on the Spirit of God, then He will guard that deposit. The word for deposit, using the New American uh, Standard Version, it says treasure. It's talking about precious treasure. A life that has the knowledge of the gospel. Uh, it is a great treasure. Because there are billions of people that have never heard the gospel. They don't know Christ. They don't know the good news. So this morning, the Lord is challenging all of us to guard the deposit. So what are you going to do? We're about to, some of us are going to eat a lot of food soon. But I want us to take a quick time of reflection. Think about your life. Is your identity wrapped up in what you do at the church? Or what you do at your job? Is that where you find your satisfaction? Is that where you find your purpose? Or do you find your purpose in Christ? In in who the Lord says you are? Big difference. Timothy would face hard, difficult times. We as believers, we've been told already that we will face tough times. Jesus said, remember, whenever they hate you, Remember, they hated me first. So what are you going to do? You've heard the gospel. Many of us, many, many days before today. Are you going through the motions? There's two, there's two, there's one illustration I want to share about two lakes. And then I will shut up. We can go eat. There's the the Dead Sea, and then there's the Sea of Galilee. Now, the Sea of Galilee, if you've been there, it's full of life. It's very, very deep. They still fish uh, today. Uh, Whenever I actually got to visit the Sea of Galilee, and I looked out at the the water, and I thought, 
I bet there's shrimp all in them waters. But actually, uh, it was not salt water. So no, it was not. But they did have fish. And so the Sea of Galilee, do you, does anyone know what runs through the Sea of Galilee? The Jordan River. The river that Christ was baptized in. And the start of the Jordan River is these springs, the largest spring, uh, spring water springs in the Middle East, called the Dan, D-A-N, Spring. The Dan Spring. And that is the start. And it's millions of fresh, pure water bubbling up. And that's the start of the Jordan River. And so the Sea of Galilee, it takes, and then it pours out. And it's filled with life. Wildlife, birds, lots of fish. Lots and lots of fish. It's super deep, filled with all kind of special creatures. And then that Jordan River flows further down, and it flows into something called the Dead Sea. You know what's in the Dead Sea? Salt. You know what else? Nothing. There's no algae. It's kind of nice, actually. It's great for your skin. But there's no bugs. There's no, there's no fish. It's just salty and everything is dead. Why? Because the Dead Sea takes and takes and takes. But it never pours out. Many religious people in the South, like myself included, we come and we sit and we soak and we sour. We sit and we soak and we sour. And the Lord fills up our cup and then He wants us to pour it out. That's what the Christian life is about. There is a fountain this morning available for all people here. Whoever calls the name of the Lord will be saved. Christ says, if a man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Do you know that, Lord, this morning? Have you ever had a time you spent with the Lord and you left afterwards and you're like, man, my cup is filled. Have you ever had a moment like that? Well, if not, we're about to sing a song. And maybe you just need to say, Lord, will you fill my cup today? Maybe you don't know Christ. You can get that right as well. Maybe you're just unsure, and that's okay. That means the Lord's working on you. If you're still paying attention right now, the Lord's, He's working on you. And so if that's you, just be honest with the Lord. If your heart's broken, if, if your whole life is just broke down and nobody really knows about it, just whisper that to the Lord. Say, Lord, I don't even know what I believe. God, would you show me the truth? He or she who seeks the truth will find the truth. He takes, it takes seeking out that truth. So this morning, you come and you respond to the Lord how you'd how you like to, okay? In your seat, or you're welcome to come to the altar, pray. We've got people that would like to counsel with you, talk with you as you make a decision for Christ. Lord, we love you. God, we pray right now that, Father, we would not get so caught up in being super Christians, but Lord, we would continue to, to be honest with ourselves and with You. Lord, Eunice and Lois and Paul and Timothy, they left a great legacy. And Father, we pray today that all the families here would leave a legacy. Because godly legacies do not just happen. It takes moms and dads and grandparents 
and people to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So God, today we pray that you would prick our hearts. God, that you would move us to respond as you see fit. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.